Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Talk of Champions is brought to you in part by Brennan Chapman of Homer Skelton Ford and Olive Branch. That's right, Brennan. He spent eight years on the football staff at Ole Miss as a recruiting analyst, as he detailed brilliantly in a recent interview on this podcast. But he's out now. He's out of the game, having joined the family business, where his goal is to be with you through every step of the car buying experience, from purchasing to financing to servicing, all the way to the purchase of the next vehicle and the one after that. When you arrive on the lot at Homer Skelton Ford and the Branch, you'll quickly realize that this is a family business, which I can personally vouch for because I recently went through this process with Brennan. And I can safely say, if you're in his area, there's no one better to contact to help you find that car you've been searching for through someone you can trust. So reach out to him today at BrennanChapman.com. That's B-R-E-N-N-O-N Chapman.com. Whether it's shopping new or used, Brennan can help you out. That's Brennan Chapman of Homer Skelton Ford and Olive Branch. Talk of Champions is thrilled to welcome LB's Meat Market as one of its newest sponsors. LB's, the preeminent butcher shop in Oxford, Mississippi. The place to go for any and all of your meat needs. Just right now, they've got the Lane Train Special, a six-ounce bacon-wrapped filet for $10. they got fresh seafood, grill packs, and a lot of different types of sausages. Put simply, if your grill is in need of meat, the only place to go in Oxford, Mississippi is LB's Meat Market. Give them a call today at 662-259-2999. That's 662-259-2999. Stop by and see them at 2008 University Avenue. That's just across the street from Kroger. It's LB's Meat Market, your butcher shop in Oxford, Mississippi. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. It's up. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit. Ben on Twitter. He's Brian Scott Rippy at BS Rippy. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review, talk of champions in iTunes. And when you do, leave a five-star review. Also available in SoundCloud and Spotify, just simply search Talk of Champions. Today's guest on Talk of Champions, coming to you on the Modern Women phone line, it's Mike Clement, Ole Miss baseball hitting coach. He's a regular. Might as well be a guest co-host at this point. Rippy, what's up, man? Not much. How are you? I'm good. What you got going Better on? Better mood than last Monday. Yeah. Played yeah. the golf tournament over the weekend. It was uh, it was fun. It was hot as hell, but it was a good time. The last time I played golf, played for six hours, and it was so hot. By the time I got done, my arms were just useless. It looked like from the clothes I was wearing that I had jumped in the pool. It was miserable. This is not the time to try to play golf, and that's one of the few things we can do to keep our sanity. Yeah, I mean, it's getting to that time of the year where unless you're going early in the morning or really late at night, or late in the evening, I guess I should say. It's really hard to go play at like one thirty, two o'clock in the afternoon at this point. This tournament was supposed to be in April. It was a uh, 
So it was like a, a awareness tournament raising like uh, awareness and money for suicide prevention. And it was supposed to be in April, but it got caught up in COVID. So they were just like best suffer through the heat than not have it at all, obviously for a good cause. But that was kind of the thing at the tournament that like, yeah, this is not going to be in July next year. If you are looking for signs of optimism in regards to college football, I think the numbers that are coming in as far as testing for Major League Soccer, Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the results are encouraging. Have you seen all these numbers? Yeah, I mean, I just at, just right before we started recording this, I saw a uh, a report from uh, Sham Sharania, the NBA guy at the Athletic and Watch Stadium and wherever else he works that the NBA's latest round of testing, 346 tests, zero positives. The NHL tested uh, a far more number than that, if I'm not mistaken, and had two positive cases. I believe it was a 0.008% test result, like a positive result, like two cases out of whatever it is. So like, it it doesn't necessarily pertain to college sports, I don't guess, because we haven't heard any ideas about a bubble floated out. But these professional sports bubbles seem to be working very well, uh, particularly in the NBA's case. I mean, seems to be holding strong. Even if it's not a bubble system, the mass test. And I think you need to most pay attention to Major League Baseball, and there's been a lot of good results from that as well, because Major League Baseball is a better example as far as the travel that college football will have to do. But college football is a beast unto itself. Unlike Major League Baseball, where on the field, players are already pretty much socially distanced, you're not getting that in football. So I think the progress of not only the NFL and what it's able to come uh, to terms with with the union and the players in regards to testing and and protocol and preventative measures, but the results from Major League Baseball and its stringent testing. Because you're going to have to keep testing and testing and testing. This has been the whole thing from the get-go is why are we not testing as many as possible? And testing has ramped up in this country, still need to be testing more. But what you're seeing with these sports leagues, they're testing constantly and they're contact tracing, doing all those things, and that's how you get sports back. So I think it's been pretty good. If you looked at, I think it was Major League Soccer, tested some 1,114 individuals, players, coaches, staff, um, from the 24 clubs participating in the MLS is back tournament. Zero individuals from the group were newly confirmed positive COVID-19 cases during that period. And it was July 16th through the 17th. That's encouraging. And the numbers with baseball are similar. You're not seeing very many new cases. And that shows you that if you get them contained, if you're testing regularly, keeping uh, the circle not small, because it's never going to be a small circle. You're dealing with coaches and players. And in football, it's going to be a bigger circle than even these sports. But if you have a, a group, a circle that you can contain, you can do this. And I think... That gives me more optimism, as I was so pessimistic last week, especially with the first show. Positive vibes only on the second show. But now I'm feeling, if this continues to trend, even though the national spike in cases is still bad, if you're seeing results like this with sports, sports can operate independently, if that makes sense. I agree. And, you know, I I don't know if I want to give this too much credit and call it a report, but you did have kind of a tweet suggesting that, Ole Miss and Baylor had canceled their game, which to all my knowledge was just completely not true. And I think you're definitely seeing confirmation of that because you're seeing what Alabama, obviously they can't play USC now because of the Pac-12 going to an all-conference game only schedule. But you saw the report this weekend that they're just entertaining the idea of replacing that USC game with Notre Dame. And so you're starting to see like these leagues, obviously not the Pac-12 
or the Big Ten, but you're seeing the ACC, and I'll group Notre Dame in with the ACC just kind of for the sake of the argument because they do, what, play six ACC games a year. You're seeing the SEC and the ACC and the Big 12 still try to kind of wait it out and maybe salvage a couple of these non-conference games. I think a lot of these FCS games, you're just going to have gaps in there because oh, you saw the SWAC probably heading towards not having a season. A couple of the other smaller leagues, you are going to have gaps. But some of these major Power 5 conference games, they seem to be at least trying to hold out hope to try to play them, which I don't know how realistic that is, but it is an optimistic stance to take. And the fact that they still think they can do that at this point, I would think has to suggest something okay. I mentioned Major League Baseball testing. I think it was a report from Yahoo that I read that several players early on at the start of spring training 2.0 tested positive for COVID-19, two of which were on the Braves, my team, Freddie Freeman and Will Smith. But since then, there haven't been any massive team-wide outbreaks. Now, you got to remember, major league teams and organizations, be it soccer, baseball, the NBA, they have widespread availability to testing that we don't have as normal people in society. But if you're looking for sports, and just speaking only for sports and getting sports back, widespread testing, the regular testing, and all the safety protocols and the contact tracing, that stuff is working. It's showing in the results that we're seeing. The college level is going to take its cues from the professional leagues. It's just what it's going to do. That's the reason why the SEC, even though you've heard Keith Carter and other SEC ADs say, we're the SEC, we'll make decisions for ourselves, they also want to keep an eye on what the NFL is going to do. The NFL taking the lead on this because the NFL is the leader in football. So if the NFL has some success with its testing protocols, maybe there are some cues that you can take. You have to make these decisions now for the lesser conferences, like the SWAC, and uh, that's why you saw the Big Ten and the Pac-12 get out in front. Even though it was surprising, the reason they went to uh, conference-only schedules is not just because of safety for COVID-19 reasons, but also to allow those schools that they're canceling the games off to put together a schedule themselves if they can but the SEC is going to have to get to that point as well, but it's going to wait as long as it possibly can. I don't think Baylor Ole Miss is going to happen. I think ultimately that it's going to end up being a conference-only schedule with capacity at most 25%. But what you're seeing now, if you're taking your cues from the professional ranks, what are you seeing over the weekend with professional players? They're using their leverage to get what they feel like they need from the NFL to ensure a safe return for themselves. They're protecting themselves. They have a union. And what this has shown, this entire pandemic in regards to college football, it's no longer lip service. It's absolutely king. These players are the most important people on these campuses, these football players. They're the ones that generate the revenue. And they've never had the control and the power that they have right now. And if you're taking your cues from the NFL and you're seeing all these protocols put in place, and we now know that the financial viability of these schools is completely predicated on these kids being on fields and playing, at some point, I'm not saying it's going to happen tomorrow. I'm not saying it's going to happen in a couple of months, in a year, maybe five years. But within the next 10 years, if you don't expect, one, all the Power 5 schools to come up with a commissioner, and two, for these players to unionize, that's where we're headed, to where now what you're seeing with the NFL, with collective bargaining, that's going to be college football. I just wish we would rip the Band-Aid off and stop pretending like amateur athletics is a thing that still exists. Because at this point, what this pandemic has laid bare, these players matter more than anybody else. Everything comes back to the players on the field. you got to have them, you got to have the games, because if you don't, these schools, they're beholden to that money. And these kids, they're not fools. You can't fool them, and they're recognizing it. 
there's been pushback, not just from coaches, but from the administrative level, and especially from the NCAA level, they're going to have to ease off that because players, they're starting to have control. And the SEC did a good thing. Athletes that elect not to play this fall due to COVID-19 concerns will still have their scholarships honored, which is something the league announced last week. That's a great move. But you also just lost leverage more with the players, right? I mean, they can control this thing. Yeah, sure. But the reason the full-on Band-Aid hasn't been ripped off that you're talking about is because that would actually mean more bleeding in a financial sense uh, from you know the NCAA, the schools, or whatever, right? If you rip the Band-Aid off, it means less money for the people that profit off of this uh, unpaid labor. But I agree. I think that's where you're headed. I think this whole thing has underscored kind of the growing power of uh, – of the player and the players realizing how valuable they are, them having more of a voice than they've ever had before. I mean, you're seeing it with the whole like Chuba Hubbard thing and Gundy and the, uh, what, uh, what is it? One American news network shirt or whatever that whole fiasco was. Well, he kind of like, like, you know, Gundy, I wouldn't say back down, but like, you know, Chuba, Chuba Hubbard's voices were heard. And I don't feel like that would have yeah, happened. It, it, they were on ago. even footing, right? They right. Were and it, equally, which is something that we haven't seen. There was a, Huge disparity between how the coaches were viewed in the power structure with the yeah, players, and, and they were on and even just, footing. It's just interesting the timing of all this, it's because you had like the whole name, image, and likeness thing kind of get hinted at that that's probably going to happen sometime in the next year or so. Then the pandemic kind of really only underscored and enhanced that whole power power dynamic changing that you're talking about. So I agree. I think that's where we're headed. But just in terms of this season and college football or whatever. There also is this, like this lost element of like when people argue on the internet and everyone thinks they're an expert about you know coronavirus and what college football should or shouldn't do. There's often an element lost on the fact that everyone's talking about what's best for these kids without actually sitting there and thinking for a second, hmm, breaking news, 18 to 22-year-old kids that played football their whole lives want to play football if it's possible. Like These kids want to play. Yeah, that's the whole deal. They want to play. They're going to tell you they want to play. And that's something that Keith Carter brought up last week when he said, and he's going to be on this podcast on Thursday, but he brought it up. He said that he's been in constant communication with players from different sports, and they've all said the same thing. We want to play. Well, of course they do. Of course they do. But it's on us. Well, not us, but the administrators, the decision makers, they're the ones that have to put the rules in place, that have to make sure that a return is as safe as possible for these kids. you got to protect them from themselves. They're 18 to 22. Of course they want to play, but you got to protect them. And without any uniformity and any commissioner to kind of look up to for one single set of guidelines or plan or blueprint to do things, I would actually say most of these major programs have done a pretty damn good job of doing that, or at least trying to do as best they can. Because some of this stuff, like in terms of getting to the season and playing games, some of this stuff has kind of been like outside of their control in some ways. It's just how we as a country and a government and society have handled this whole thing. But I would just say the school, it seems like to me, at least for the most part, these schools that have the resources to put that safe return in place and safe ability to play in place have done a pretty good job of doing it. Yeah, so far so good. Ole Miss especially, they've done a tremendous job. And it's a lot of work that's been done. Shannon Singletary, who was on this podcast, Keith Carter, you name it. Everyone at Ole Miss put months of work in to make sure that when kids came to campus and they inevitably had those positive cases, that they knew how to respond. And Ole Miss, they're operating. They've had a return to the field, to the practice field. They can do that on-field instruction for four hours now. They can do that because they have the protocols in place. So that's great. 
But it's one thing to have those measures in place to return to practices in the weight room. It's an entirely different thing altogether to get them on the field playing other teams. And the coordination it takes, not just from your side, but from the other side, and the travel aspects, and protecting the coaches, the training staffs, the managers, all that, to have games. It's a totally different beast. When you look at the numbers that are coming out, Tell me what the numbers look like with Major League Baseball once they start traveling and once they start having games. Do we still have this low number? And what if there is an outbreak? How does that work? But at the end of the day, college football is going to be following the lead of the NFL, especially the SEC. (laughs) The SEC is going to be watching the NFL. What happens with these labor disputes, not disputes, but these negotiations between uh, the players and the NFL. I'm optimistic today. I'm usually not optimistic about this stuff. I haven't been optimistic for a long time. As pessimistic as I've ever been was last week. And right now I'm feeling a little bit better about it. And a lot of that has to do too with talking through it with you and with some other people that know how much is at stake and hearing Keith talk. And that's why I'm excited to have Keith back on the podcast because we all know what's at stake here. But we and that's also precisely need, why I never yeah. bought into the whole no season or spring season thing. And we're not because saying one, that the, a the season's not going to happen. It could still not happen, but yes. I'm, yeah, no, no, I agree. But the, just the idea that they were going to – I guess I guess the, what I'm talking about is I never bought into the idea of throwing in the towel before it even happened and just saying cancel it and move it. Like I just thought that there's way too much at stake, right, wrong, or indifferent financially – for them to just not at least try. I always figured we'd get to September, October, whenever it is they delay it by a couple weeks, a month, whatever. I just always figured to some degree they were going to try to run out there and put some kind of product on television because just the the financial circumstances, if that were not to happen and they decided not to do that, would just kind of be irrecoverable. Going to jump right back to Brian Scott Rippey in this edition of Talk of Champions right after I tell you about Mosquito Marshals a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. Are bugs ruining your evenings outside? Do you want to reclaim your yard from those pesky bugs? Well, Mosquito Marshals is here to help, to let their customers and their families enjoy living outside again. At Mosquito Marshals, their top priority is to keep their customers bite-free by providing the best mosquito control services in the industry. The goal is simple, to protect their customers' homes and businesses from mosquitoes, fleas, ticks, and they stand by their results. If you're not 100% satisfied, they'll respray your yard for free. But how do I know this? Because I have firsthand experience. Mosquito marshals rode out to my house and sprayed my yard. Took them no time, and I haven't seen a mosquito since. And trust me, I'm just like you. In quarantine, all me and my daughters can do is go outside, ride a bike, play some ping pong in the garage. Don't let a mosquito mess up your good time. No, schedule your appointment today. You can give them a call at 662-715-1818. That's 662-715-1818. Or visit Mosquito Marshalls online at mosquitomarshalls.com. Mosquito Marshalls, serving Oxford, Batesville, Water Valley, New Albany, Pontotoc, wherever you are, they'll come to you. Mosquito Marshalls. If they do get games and they do get that TV money, it's not about long-term viability. It's about short-term survival. And then you plan out your long-term uh, viability structure and, and keeping things moving in a positive direction. All these universities are going to be hit hard, regardless of whether or not they get games. If it's only 25% capacity, that's going to hurt. If Ole Miss doesn't get that $8 million in escrow that's being held by the SEC by January, that's going to hurt. But at least if you get games, you get survival. 
And I feel like we're seeing the numbers we need to see just centrally focused on sports, not anything else. Only the numbers we need to see for sports, it's positive, and that's good. I'm not taking this from a national perspective anymore. I'm viewing it through the lens of sports and the numbers we're seeing as teams who have access to testing and the resources for testing that pretty much no one else in the country has. And getting the positive results that they're getting, that encourages me for getting football in the fall. Now, I'm fascinated to see what the SEC schedule looks like. Who does Ole Miss play? Because you know what the SEC opponents are right now. Is it just that? Do they extend it to 10 games? I don't know. I don't think you're going to get many non-conference games, if any. I think that Baylor game, go ahead and just count it, is not going to happen. They're not going to Houston to play that game. But look, I feel a bit of optimism today. Okay, question. Why do you think Baylor is not going to happen, but Ole Miss traveling to Texas A&M later in the year is going to happen? Because College Station's further away than Houston. I mean, kind of the same thing. But that's why I just think these more likely to get canned, canned are the UConn's, your FCS's, you know, all that type of stuff. To whereas if you have two major Power Five programs, where you know it's no difference at Ole Miss going to Baylor than it is or going to Houston to play better than A&M. I think those games, if the Big 12, barring some decision for them, would be more likely to go on than them playing these FCS schools who just don't have access to this type of testing and ability to kind of safely play a game. I would say, I'm not I'm not saying it wrong. I don't know if, if that, it seems unlikely that this would happen on Labor Day, but couldn't you move it somewhere, like elsewhere, if the season's pushed back? I don't know. I, I don't know what that looks like, but I just think, those two programs like that are more likely to play a game than Ole Miss, you know, whatever FCS. I forget who they have FCS-wise on their schedule this year, but that's uh, SEMO. Yeah, I would think SEMO is way less likely to be played than Baylor. No, you're probably right. You're probably right, and I'm wrong. I don't know. It's probably going to get kicked down the road. I don't think it's going to start on time. I think that's pretty much inevitable, but everything else, yeah, yeah it could probably be played. But, I mean, at this rate, who knows? We could see me back here next Monday just in a terrible mood because some bad news has come out. So what Ole Miss news has happened since the last time you and I sat down to record? It's weird to say because we constantly complain how it's an endless cycle of just stuff. Seems like nothing. A lot of watch lists. Lakia yes. Henry got put on the butt kiss. I guess that's one thing we have learned in this pandemic is that not even a virus can kill watch list season. They're still <laughs> going to have 200,000 lists and 200, 300 more thousand participants named to this preseason watch list. That will go on through Armageddon. Like Even if the rapture happens, there will still be a Mackey Award winner preseason list that Evan Ingram is not on. God, that was ridiculous. <laughs> that was ridiculous. Watch lists have prevailed as if nothing's happening. All right, so what's the first big piece of Ole Miss news that we get? I'll give you two options, and I don't, I'm not saying one's more likely than the other. I just that when you asked that question, my mind took me to two places. Is one an announcement on the uh, non Baylor game and kind of folding that into a larger blanket statement, the non conference season? Because they are going to have to make a decision on that here in the next couple of weeks. I feel like you can't really get much into August without knowing definitively whether you're going to play non-conference games or not. So what's the news with the Baylor game? Do they not play it? Do they play it? Do you go conference only? Do you move it later in the season? And then the second thing piggybacking off of that would probably be what are they doing about capacity and who's going to be able to watch the games if anyone and who gets in? What do they do about tickets? That would be the two things I would look at as as definitive news. I'm just looking forward to finally having that North Star, whatever it is. 
to guide us towards it. Because that's what we're all waiting on here. It's not just the coaches and the players. It's not just the fans. It's the media, too. It's everybody. All of us are in this together. And I think everybody's just waiting, anxious, to have that North Star. Or, like Keith Carter said, to have the foot on base and knowing where you're going. It's getting about that time. I mean, as we're recording on July 20th, it's getting about that time. I don't know when we're going to find out, but I would be shocked if we don't know by August 1 definitively where this is going. The latest you can possibly make a decision is August 1st. I mean, for a while there, they said the latest we can possibly make a decision is July 1 to July 4th. Now they've made it, I think, no one said it, but August 1st? Because they're going to practice. They've done enough to their credit to get to a place where the buildup is the same. The practice is the same. Preseason practices, they, they, they can keep on schedule with that. We're not looking towards that. That has been handled. Not that they haven't had their setbacks. They have, and they're going to continue to have their setbacks. But they're on schedule for that. The biggest question, the big beast, is what the season looks like. And I think a lot of that has to do with the direction of the NFL and also how the Major League Baseball teams handle their travel. Because travel is going to be a big part of college football. It doesn't matter if you have a conference-only schedule. I mean, my God. Think about all the teams that got to play Missouri. Or, I mean, go elsewhere. West Virginia plays in the Big 12. And that's why I didn't understand the Big 10's decision to some degree was it's like, okay, it's cool for Wisconsin to go play Rutgers, but they can't play Notre Dame at Lambeau. It's bizarre. I mean, of it course is Ole Miss can drive seven hours to Auburn. And they can socially distance by instead of having four buses, they have eight buses. And every kid has two seats to himself. They can do that. You can do that to Tuscaloosa. You can drive to Baton Rouge instead of flying and putting everybody in the plane. I mean, because that's a lot of money. Think about that. Loading up in a plane, even if it's the university plane, that's a lot of money because you're going to have to get two planes, right? So many people involved unless all the non-essential people, that means the non-players and the non-coaches and assistant coaches, maybe some ops guys, all those managers, everybody else that's usually on the plane, they ain't got seats anymore. So how they getting there? They driving? That's the thing is working. One thing that opened my eyes to working in house for the athletic department for the one year that I did, and the one perk was, you know, you don't book your own travel; you get to travel with the team or whatever. But they're taking to every football game essentially. They're taking two large commercial sized airplanes. Right. Yep. And the one I'm on, I was on, like was like you know SID. Uh, other athletic department staff members. Um, I want to say like maybe that was all it was, and the and other every one was seat like the, was full. Yeah, I mean on, you're talking two like commercial size, get on a Southwest flight size ish jets that you're taking to every single game. That's a lot. No empty seats, none in either of those planes. They're always full. So if you got a socially distanced planes, how do you do it? Because Ole Miss is strapped for cash. So the travel aspect. And that's why I wouldn't be opposed if the SEC decided, you know what, we're going to make this completely geographical. What schools are you closest to within driving distance of? But then, I mean, I guess you fall into the hole of, okay, Missouri's not close to anybody. Texas A&M, that's a long way away. Heck, Florida and Gainesville, who are they close to? Really close to. Could you drive to South Carolina? Because we've done that. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I mean, that, that's pushing. That's eight hours. That, 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 that drive sucked. And it you did and suck. I made it faster. <laughs> you and I made it faster than, well, I actually screwed up. You did the smart thing because, remember, I booked the flight for the NCAA tournament game 
And of course, uh, you had to book it for them, you know, Sunday or Monday or whatever, because you, know, you got to count on two games. Of course, they lose. So I'm sitting there Friday at two o'clock, thinking, you know, my plane leaves in 74 hours. What am I going to do? Let the record show. I got to spat quick. You did. That's what I'm saying. A bus would be much longer. Yes, much longer, because they don't have the heavy foot coming back, and they're making stops. I don't make stops. I don't know. Is there any world like since since you like don't like because like. How do you balance if you're adding additional games? How do you balance it to where like it's fair home and road games? Like I'm just curious if there's a world or there if there's some added conference games and I'm just spitballing here. Like say they want to add it to ten. What if Ole Miss and South Carolina met in Atlanta or something? That could work. Or I don't like, know if they do something it. like yeah, exactly. If you're trying to add two games, could you add two, two neutral site games? I don't know how that would work logistically, but like if you could shave a little bit off the travel for each side if it's not an already if it's not already one of the eight planned and you don't have to worry about excess home games excess away games blah blah all that jazz i don't know what's perfect in the middle of Ole miss florida birmingham right <laughs> mobile the Mo- yeah. luxurious mobile i mean but heck they got football stadiums they do yeah. and it's probably actually nicer than the birmingham one yeah so there you go play at south alabama but then you got to work with south oh, man there's so much that's going to go into travel logistics that I don't know how you put it together, but the SEC, that's the problem you got. And that's why you have to make decisions now. Now, they're not going to make decisions now. They're waiting for the NFL. They're waiting to see more with Major League Baseball. But I think it's positive. The numbers that you're seeing right now are positive. And if you're looking for some optimism on this Monday because you want college football, you should feel pretty good today. You really should. You should feel like there's a chance. you got a real chance. Agreed. I mean, it's, it's better than it was last week. So let's just hope yeah. for the sake of all of us that it feels a little bit better this, next week than it did last week. Or, I mean, Of th- course, th- I'm going to bring Keith on, and Keith's going to completely throw cold water on that. I just can see it. I'll say something like, Keith, you know what? I'm, I'm optimistic today. Well, you shouldn't be. Ah, well, shit. Well, okay, so when you, when you talk to him, throw out that idea about the neutral site games and then tell him to have Sankey send me a check. Ah. <laughs> uh. You hadn't really got a patent on that, but okay. All right, yeah. Get you paid. Yeah, I'll be working on the intellectual patent on that. Oh, God. Mike Clement's coming up on the Modern Woodman phone line. Got to get to him in just a second. I know you don't really want to talk much about baseball right now, but there are a lot of, like, baseball headlines coming about. And this D1 NCAA Council baseball, that was completely convoluted, but decision that they recently came to about scholarships is interesting enough. I didn't really understand it. I asked Mike about it. He'll explain it. Did you see this? No. What did I miss? Did I miss something over the weekend? Over the weekend from the uh, – wow. I put something on the spirit about uh, Mike Bianco was talking to Kellum about the you know the new – what's I forget the name of the proposal that Eric Backage is coined. Yeah, but I wrote yeah. about that a little bit. Is this is this that or is, what, are you, what are we talking about? A measure that allows schools to stack need-based merit aid with athletic oh, aid. Yeah. Yes, I have seen this, but – from everything I determined, it doesn't seem like it helps Ole Miss a ton. Well, see, that's the thing. Me and Colin Brister went back and forth on this. I didn't really know much about it, but Colin thought it could help Ole Miss. Clem, he's got a different view, and he'll tell you about it. But I didn't really understand it, and uh, he kind of broke it down for me. But that was a baseball headline. Another baseball headline, Baseball America released its top 40 players in college baseball for 2021. You'll be shocked to hear Doug Nikhazy and Gunnar Hoagland both in the top 40. I don't have a subscription to Baseball America, but there you go. Makes sense. And if you're telling me, if you're making me rank, like other than that, where the team ended up, like where where the team would have ended up, if you're making me rank 
like the top three individual storylines that were just unfortunately lost because the season was canceled. Isn't kind of how real was Gunnar Hoagland's thing? Like in that up there? Oh, that was real though. That was so real. That was real. Oh yeah. I'm not necessarily doubting it. I guess that makes it sound like I wasn't bought into it yet, but how big of a leap, like how dominant would he have been through their very, very rugged sec schedule for, especially for the first month and a half. Like how would that have held up against really, really good competition? Um, I'm not, I think it would have as well, but I would have just like to see it in action because if you get to the end of the year and he puts up all sec type numbers, that's actually a pretty fascinating story to kind of dive into is just a kid that's probably never failed that badly in his life than he did struggling his freshman year. And to turn it around that quickly is not really easy. I need to get him on this pod. He'd be good. Here's one for you. I posed it to Mike. I'm not going to give it away. July 20th, who's leading off? Who's batting third? Oh, who's batting third? Hmm. Lead off's pretty easy to me. Chagny? Yeah. Okay, and then who's batting third? Apparently, according to Mike, you'll hear him, is there it, is not a consensus about who could hit third. The first two things that popped into my mind were Baker and Leatherwood. Neither one of those was Mike Clement's pick. I didn't guess it. No. That's it for Rippy. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Going out of the Modern Woman phone line to speak to Mike Clement, Ole Miss baseball hitting coach. Before we do, let's hear from Modern Woman in BNA Bank. Are you tired of working 9 to 5 for 40 hours every week just to make money for someone else? Well, our sponsor of the Talk of Champions phone line is Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, and he's looking to hire new financial representatives here in Mississippi. No background experience is necessary, but you do have to be a resident of Mississippi. And what he's looking for is someone who is highly self-motivated and who wants to make a difference in the lives of others. A full-time position comes with benefits, such as health insurance, a matching 401k, and a pension plan. For more information, feel free to reach out to Thomas personally. You can find him on Facebook, or his number is 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. That's Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC. An equal housing lender. The Modern Woodman phone line. Cool, we'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop. Where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in Rebel Sports. Modern Woodman, let's make a difference together. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. Going now to the Modern Woodman phone line. Regular guests. Might as well be co-host at this point. He's Ole Miss hitting coach Mike Clement. <laughs> Mike, what's up, man? How you doing? Good, man. Man, I, I uh, unfortunately have time to be the be the co-host uh, with with this, so I'm I'm glad to be on. Though I appreciate you having. Me. So how are you holding up, man? Good, good. It's uh, you know, I think there's at least for us maybe maybe a little more shaking now. Um, I'm actually in my office talking to you, which is which is progress, and um, you know, we got almost all of our freshmen uh that that are here taking the class and. 
able to, to, to work out with Coach Boone, our strength coach, and use our facilities and all that. So that, that's good. We have a few new guys, so pro- or a few, I'm sorry, returners back. Um, so you get to see them walking around the facility, and so that's, you know, that's good. It's not a bunch of 40-year-old men looking at each other wondering what we're going to do because we can't go recruit. But um, So probably close to half of our team is, is, is in Oxford and using our facilities and all that. So even though we can't, as coaches, work with them outside of our strength coach, um, that that's progress from what it's been since March 11th or 12th or whatever whatever it was. What are the protocols? Are, are y'all allowed to have all those newcomers together, or do y'all have to work out in pockets? What's kind of the measures yeah. up put in place? Yeah, so they, yeah, it's all in pockets. Our our university obviously has to follow some pretty strict protocols that, that trickle down to us. Uh, we're fortunate that we're, I think we're one of the the few uh, baseball programs in our league. Um, that, that we're able to get guys back. And they've been here since June the 8th and um, have guys come in. And so, yeah, they work out in, in pockets. So I think it's something like 13 of our, of our incoming freshmen here and then a handful of, of, of returners that aren't off plan. And um, basically the everyone comes in at the same time and, and have to get a temperature te- check and all of those things and had to have had, you know, the tests before before they were allowed to work out. But, but yeah, we can only have so many guys in the weight room at a time, and so pitchers kind of go up there. We split them off that way, um, and they are able to work out with Coach Boone while the while the while the position players are down hitting and throwing, and then they flip. Um, and in between, the locker room has to be cleaned, and everyone's wearing masks, with the exception of when they're doing physical activity. So yeah, it's it's pretty strict in there, um, but the guys are able to be together, and um, and, and they're here, which. Um, which is progress, as, as silly as that sounds. So what have you thought about the guys who got to play summer ball? Because the summer leagues, I talked to Tim Oak, I think, last week for a story. They figured something out. They figured out how to deal with COVID but also keep games going, but they followed all those social distancing guidelines and not interacting with fans. Elko seems to be having a good summer. Who else have y'all gotten reports on? Yeah, um, it's it's been good. El- Elko's you know, would be the main guy who's, who's tearing it up. Uh, I just looked at uh, his numbers this morning and, uh, and he's obviously having a great summer carried over from the start that he was off to in in the spring. And I just think he's just the older guy. And, um, you know, hopefully he's, um, you know, mature enough that, that he's, he's just, you know, he's just a good player. He's been around the block long enough that, um, you know, he's, he's dealt with some struggles in our program that you and I have talked a bunch about and, um, he's just matured and he's comfortable in his own skin and all those kinds of things. So, um, I really, you know, it's weird. I usually, um, most summers, uh, as Laugh and I are out recruiting, check stats and everything every, every day. And I've told those guys like Cale Baker and Ben Van Cleve and Knoxville Potter, those guys are scuffling. Um, but I tried to tell those guys, like, you just need to go get a bat. Um, we, you know, more than anything, I'm concerned, you know, you haven't had it. You haven't seen live pitching since March 12th or whenever we were down in Monroe. Um, and so the numbers um, probably don't mean as much to me this summer um, as they would some summers. Um, and, and I don't know, Ben, and you and I have talked about this probably the past few summers. I just don't see as big a correlation in, hey, you go off in the summer and you really struggle. That means you're going to struggle when you get back here. I don't. I don't necessarily see that correlation. I think there's actually more of a correlation on guys that go out and play well in the summer and having that carry over. And I think the reason for that is just confidence. You know, like 
um, because J.B. Woodman went off to the Cape and really scuffled and then came back and was an All-American for us. And I'm sure, you know, at times, like, uh, you know, it's worked the opposite, too, where somebody went off and had a really good summer and it just didn't carry over once they got here. So there's a lot of play there. Um, but I'm just excited that, like you said, guys are able to, you know, that was in doubt for a really long time was would anybody be able to go out and play in these leagues? And um, our guys have been able to do that, some up in the Northwoods League and then some of these what, what I would call like satellite leagues that kind of popped up just locally. Um, there's a couple in the state of Mississippi that Dunhurst and Trey LaFleur and a few other guys are playing in um, down in, down in uh, the, the Jackson area. And so those guys are doing really well. Um, in those leagues too, which is more local guys, Southern Miss guys, a couple of Juco guys, Alabama, Auburn players, uh, Mississippi State players and, and the like. Yeah, it's great for them because, like you said, the season got cut short and it was tragic considering where Ole Miss was and the belief that team had as far as making it to Omaha. To get to play summer ball, yeah, it's not the same. It's not even remotely close to the same, but at least it's competition. At least they're getting baseball in. And for a while there, we didn't think that summer leagues had any chance of happening. Yeah, no, no question. To be honest with you, I would, I would have said it was going to be a far reach um, for that to happen, that they would let guys go. And it sounds like it's been now. Granted, in summer collegiate baseball, you don't, um, you don't hear about positive tests as much as you would with the big leagues and all of those things. But um, it sounds like it's, you know, the leagues are continuing to play. There haven't been a bunch of canceled games, and um, that you know, teams haven't shut down. So um, it sounds like it's been you know, largely successful um, as far as, as as far as those go. And they're continuing to play and get at bats, and, and they're healthy, which is the main thing. Last week, the NCAA's Division I Council passed legislation that allows partial scholarship sports such as baseball to use need-based and merit-based awards and scholarships for student-athletes without counting against a team's scholarship limit. Legislation goes into effect August 1, will be finalized at a July 27 meeting, with the NCAA Division One Board of Directors, make that make sense for those of us who don't understand what the hell we're talking about here. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm I'm probably going to muddy the water for you a little bit. Um, basically, the the micro in that is is that I don't think it's going to have a huge bearing on Old Miss baseball. What 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 the actual rule means is that um, for anybody. Um, the, the former rule was you couldn't stack athletic aid um, on top of like a merit-based scholarship, you know, maybe a, maybe a kid that, um, you know, got aid because of uh, need-based or merit-based aid, whether it be academically or whatever, that would have to count against your 11.7. What the NCAA is now saying is that um, that does not count against your 11.7. The thing for us being a public uh, state institution, Institution, we don't have a whole lot of that anyway. Um, so I don't think it necessarily moves the needle um, as much for us and, uh, as it does maybe actually even, and this is going to make, I know a lot of our fans probably roll their eyes, but uh, maybe as much as some of the private schools. Um, it actually probably helps them be a little more flexible with their accounting um, and their books and all of that. Um, as far as how they're how they're going to pay out guys as far as scholarships go, just because they have more of that deep based and merit based scholarships, so um, that probably muddies the water a little bit. But what people need to know is it's probably more business as usual for us. I think on a large scale, if you can look at it from a macro view, 
um, if you're not biased, which I am, um, it's a good thing, you know, on the whole, because, you know, it just gets more student athletes, more dollars in their pocket and it costs less to go to some schools. So, um, you know, from the, from the view above the, above the trees, if you can look at it on the whole, I think it's probably a pretty good thing. Um, if you look at it from, you know, who pays my check, which is the University of Mississippi, it's uh, it probably doesn't move the needle a whole lot. I think we're probably um, maybe with an exception here or there, um, a rare exception. We're probably basically in the same boat with the 11.7 scholarships, and we divvy it up and uh, go to work. It's a bummer because me and a buddy of mine were texting about it over the weekend trying to figure it out because he thought of it one way. I couldn't make heads or tails of it. But he wrote an example like this. Tyler Keenan got a 65% baseball scholarship. And from what he understood, him being on an athletic aid, the 65%, disallows him from qualifying for the scholarship in the photo um, that Kendall Rogers sent out. But with the new ruling, and then how Kendall put it, it allowed him, this new ruling, to apply for that scholarship. But that's not the case is what you're saying. Man, I wish it was that way. Uh, and then Keenan could be on like 110%. Um, or, or at the very least, a hundred, a hundred percent. Um, I, I wish that was accurate. It's not completely like that. If, if he were, uh, on the 65% scholarship, uh, he would get the 65% scholarship and probably no more just because, uh, he wouldn't, yeah, he's not, he's not able to get that at old Miss. So the rich get richer. Uh, that's one way of putting it, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, come on. That's what it is. But anyway. <laughs> You talked about having the kids on campus. When will everybody be on campus? Because a lot of those guys that are in summer leagues, those leagues don't end until the end of August. Now, obviously, they won't finish in those leagues. they got to get into class. We don't know what yep. in-person instruction, if there will be any at Ole Miss right now. But what, what's the vibe y'all are getting as far as getting all your players? Right now, we're, we're, we're moving forward as if classes start <clears throat> August 24th, which they're, which, they're, which they're supposed to. We have not heard anything otherwise. And so all of our guys – we think we'll be back in time for a physical and a, and a testing, you know, COVID test uh, somewhere the week before that, August 17th-ish, um, and then be ready for, for, for school to start. So, man, uh, looking forward to that time more than, more than most selfishly because, um, like I said, last and I haven't been able to be out on the road recruiting. And, um, gosh, we haven't seen – this is the longest stretch where we haven't seen our players – shoot in the 15 years I've coached Division One baseball. So, uh, yeah, excited excited to see those guys. I'm tired of looking at them on a Zoom or a FaceTime or uh, whatever else. I want to uh, I want to be able to look at them and look at them in the eye. So, um, I, I, like I've told some of those guys, hey, uh, I get tired of looking at you sometimes, but but right now, uh, man, I'm excited to see them for sure. When do you get to work with them? That week. So uh, at the beginning of school. Um, that will go into not not to bore everybody out there, but into that eight-hour window where we can we can work with guys. Um, skill instruction is what we call it. So they'll come out for a half hour, forty-five minutes at a time. Um, we'll probably give them a few days as school gets started um, to get their feet underneath them and all of that to get their classes all squared. Excuse me, squared away, and <clears throat> so they can get squared away, but. Um, yeah, we'll start late that late that first week or early that second week with some skill instruction stuff, ground balls, fly balls, uh, BP, bullpens, that kind of stuff. Um, and then mid-September, we'll start actual fall ball, which is, you know, the 20-hour weeks where we're inter-squatting and all of those things. So that's, 
that's the plan. Um, sometimes it, it feels like things change by the day, but um, that's that's the plan that's laid out in front of us right now. We'll get right back to Mike Clement in this edition of Talk of Champions after I tell you briefly about Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford and Chinese Pharmacy. We're all doing whatever we can to survive quarantine, right? It can be tough. We're making purchases to keep our sanity, to keep us happy. Maybe you're going on Amazon, hitting add to cart, purchase. Maybe, just maybe, you're in the market for a new car. And if you are, I know the place you should go. The only place you should go. And that's Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. From new and used sales to parts and service, Alan Samuels of Oxford aims to provide a truly stellar automotive experience. But what separates Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford from every other dealership is Alan Samuels aims to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Most everyone who's listened to this podcast should know by now I only vouch for sponsors I truly believe in. If I myself have not had a personal experience with any sponsor, they're not going to be on this podcast. And my longest relationship is with Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Why? Because I can't say enough good things about Brian and Mason and the rest of the team. I don't like to haggle. I don't like to negotiate. I don't like the whole process of buying a car. With Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, you can avoid all of that. They're looking out for you. So give them a call today, 662-234-8000. You can stop by and see them at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, the only place to find your perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Alan Samuels, let's be friends. Self-isolation, quarantine, has brought about its own set of problems. Don't let your pharmacy be one of them. Cheney's Pharmacy, they've earned your trust. You can count on them. Cheney's Pharmacy offers prescription synchronization immunizations compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there, hands down. Give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221, or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online at Cheney'sPharmacy.com. We've all got our own set of problems. Don't let your pharmacy be one of them. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. So the newcomers that come in and they're getting their first taste of Ole Miss baseball, what's the introduction for them? How do you ease them in? Oh, shoot, it's been a while now. Is it this year right now? With the exception of um, Calvin Harris, who Iowa is actually playing, I think it's probably the only state in the country, Iowa is playing high school baseball right now. And he is from the state of Iowa. I know you um, had him either on a podcast or wrote an article um, several weeks ago, but they, they are having a baseball season. And so Iowa plays summer high school baseball normally. And so um, they actually just started their playoffs, uh, which his team uh, won their first game. But anyway, all the other freshmen are here. And so that's been the nice thing. That's the, the nice uh, indoctrination of Ole Miss baseball is that they're able to be here. On a normal year, it just helps. They take two, two, two classes, and so they start to learn the campus. But not only that, they learn some of the, the older guys who are here also taking summer school. They learn Oxford. Um, and so that first team meeting isn't so awkward for them. Um, where they don't know anybody. They're actually, when we walk into that first team meeting, they're going to know, they're going to look around and know at least half the team. And so it just, uh, it's not as, it's not as uh, scary, I guess, for those guys because 
they're here. They're not taking a full class load. They're just taking this this summer. They're just taking one online class. Um, and, you know, they're starting to understand what our program is all about, even though Lass and Coach Bianco and Coach Cleary and myself aren't out there coaching them. There's a feel for what everything is. And, um, you know, when, when we have our first team meeting in August, they're not going to be walking into that building for the first time. Elko believes he's going to be playing third base. Uh, I think that's a possibility. I, I think that's a that, that's definitely a possibility. I think in the fall to start with, he's probably going to wear a couple different gloves, but he is going to get plenty of ground balls at third base um, for sure. So I think, uh, you know, if I had to write a lineup today, he's definitely in the lineup, obviously, um, with the with the bat. Um, but I think he's got a good shot. You know, we have some other left side infielders um, that that you know. We have some options over there, um, but I think he'll get every opportunity to, to, to be the guy that, that, that plays third base. I, I think that's a real possibility. I think, um, you know, some other options, and again, I'm probably forgetting somebody as I sit here and talk, but Jacob Gonzalez, uh, a freshman from Southern California, Glendora uh, High School, I, I, you know, I think he would be a possibility uh, on the left side. And then you have the combination of Bench, Chatonier, um, those middle guys could always go over there. Uh, Reagan Burford, um, you know, from St. George's up in up in Memphis, is, is a freshman, uh, is a possibility. So, so there are definitely some possibilities. Uh, but he wasn't lying to you. You know, we've we've definitely talked about him coming in um, since Keenan signed uh, and, and possibly playing third base. You know, he came in as a third baseman, and you know, I think he'd be completely honest with you. Keenan beat him out, and um, Keenan never relinquished that spot and so um but but yeah i think we feel real comfortable with him over there if that's what that's how it turns out to be totally fair he also said i could play first base or right field or left field and because elko is the consummate captain and team leader kind of guy so i asked him about third base <laughs> he said he's a natural third baseman it's what he came up playing but then he of course pivoted like a good coach. He's going to make a good coach one day if he ever decides he wants to do it, right? He's got the coach speak stuff. Uh, he is. There, there are times where I wish that his answer to that question was, I'm going to be – hey, Ben, I'm going to be the third baseman, and no one's going to take it from me. Yeah. But uh, that is Tim Elko. Tim Elko is the guy that you would want your daughter to marry. Um, he's awesome. Uh, 4.0 student last semester. Uh, yeah, he's he is uh, – that does not shock me one bit. I would have been shocked had you said – Elko told me he is the third baseman. I kind of, I kind of wouldn't like it though. When you saw Servideo third round, Keenan in the fifth round, what'd you think? Was that about right? Um, yeah, I think it was about right. I think the money and everything is out there. I think right. So uh, I knew Keenan. That was probably about right for him. I knew he got what he wanted. Uh, Keenan is the guy that is in constant communication, and so uh, it sounded the closer that it got that that he was going to get what he wanted Servideo almost surprisingly over slot uh, from the Orioles yeah and, and he would have gone earlier had he been willing to settle for a lower dollar amount um and I was super proud of him I think um and I could be wrong it is the second you think about this for a minute it is the second highest signing bonus for any Ole Miss position player Maybe ever. I think Woodman got nine seventy five, and Ant got nine hundred fifty thousand um, dollars. And this is a guy who I don't know. We'd have to go back and look. Probably played twenty 
career games at shortstop. That just shows you how good he was this year. Um, and I know for a fact, and this is, I don't want to give too much information that, that is not my information to give, but they called and asked him to sign for slot, which I think slot at where he got picked was like 840 grand. And he flatly said, no, I'm not, I'm, I'll, I'll go back to school. Um, which, which fired me up really, really cool. And it just goes to show you, if you stick to your guns, they'll get there um, if they want you. And, you know, three minutes later, by him just saying no, uh, he made himself, I don't know, whatever that is, 110 grand. Um, so, you got leverage. Uh, it's one of the few times early in your career in Major League Baseball that you've got the leverage. Get your money. You're right. You're right. It's about the only time early, like you said. So, um, man, I couldn't I couldn't be happier for, for both those guys. But, but Sir Video, and you and I have talked about this before, that guy had every opportunity to leave here. You know, you've got Kessinger in front of him. Uh, all the things that everybody already knows, and then to get rewarded for sticking it out, um, working really hard and being a great teammate, uh, get rewarded that way is is pretty stinking sweet. It's uh, it's awesome. TJ McCants, Peyton Chatagnier, Justin Bench. What kind of competition will that be? Oh, I think it's going to be wide open. It's going to be wide open. Um, Chatagnier would be the opposite of Elko. I think if you called him today. Um, and said, who's going to be the shortstop? He would say with a straight face, 100% I'm going to be the shortstop, uh, which I love. Um, and I use that against him. I talk to him you know, quite a bit, and I needle him that uh, he's not going to win the job because that pushes him. Um, it's what makes him good. So, uh, But that's going to be a wide-open competition. We are going to give them you know, close to equal reps and may the best man win, um, which the – it seems like when you have that kind of competition, the cream usually rises to the top. So the nice thing about, as you know, with, well, in particular, the two returners in bench and Chatney, those, those guys have some flexibility with athleticism and where they can play and all of that. So um, I would suspect the guy, but those two for sure, that doesn't win the shortstop job, um, A is going to be in the lineup and B is going to be in a premium defensive position, whether that's center field or second base or, possibly third base. Um, but McCants has come in and um, going to give him every opportunity to win the job as well. So we're excited about that competition. You can't judge much offensively with summer league ball, but defensively it's all pretty much the same, right? So Shatton, yeah, you've been trying to work on his arm. How's it looked? I think good. Um, he seems to like anytime on Twitter, the league that he's playing in, he makes a good play and somebody gets it on camera like he sends it to me and so I only see the good plays like I told him hey when a ball goes in between your legs or you you know you're you go into the hole and backhand the ball and don't have enough arm to get it over there will you send me one of those too and uh <laughs> he hasn't sent me any of those ironically so um yeah I, but I think all indications are um that it's that it's been good it's been good him you know we told him to go out and play shortstop every single day and um, and he's done that. So um, he's had success that way, and I would put nothing past that kid. Um, nothing would surprise me. Arm strength, is that something that can really be learned or really be picked up? There, there's definitely an organic element to that. That's probably a good way of putting it. Uh, there are some things that you can do um, anymore with just cleaning up an efficient arm pass, uh, and then there's stuff you can do that he has done to strengthen the arm and then obviously the tradition of long toss and all of that but to your point it is a little that's a little harder than just some mechanical fix uh 
that, hey, we can work on this drill, and all of a sudden you're going to have some elite arm strength. That typically doesn't happen. But there are some, some things that can be done and that he is doing um, to strengthen that thing. All right, before I let you go, you got two players in the top 40 in Baseball America's top players of college baseball. No question who it is. It's Gunnar Hoagland. It's Doug Nikhazy. Both of those guys are going to be high draft picks. Here they are leading your rotation and getting their just due. Yep, yep, 100%. I think those guys, it's funny. Um, you know, it probably happened on this podcast last year when you probably asked, you know, hey, you lose seven of the nine guys in your lineup. Uh, and, you know, my response probably was, yes, we did, but you got the three-hole hitter and the leadoff guy back. And I feel pretty stinking good about that. And um, this is a little bit different. And when anybody looks at our club, uh, they're going to look at those two guys on the mound. And all of a sudden you have your entire weekend rotation back, and two of those guys um, have pitched at an elite level. And, and Gunner maybe came on a little bit later than, than what Doug. Doug is, you know, walked onto campus and was really good and gunner has you know pitched his way into being an elite arm um not that he was not a high school but i'm as far as performance goes at the college level obviously he was performing at an extremely high level when the season ended this past year and so um man if you're going to start somewhere start with the cornerstone of two really good arms so um i think the depth in our pitching is going to be as good as it's been in the six years that I've been here. I'm really excited about that. I'm not necessarily excited about the fall when all the hitters have to face those guys, um, but we're all going to have the same uniform on in February. And so, um, yeah, I think it's, it's as, as elite staff, you know, starting with those two, um, as, as at least as we sit here in July, um, as we've had in a long time, probably going back to the Omaha year. Cut me some slack here. There's nothing happening. It's July 20th. I need something. So who's hitting first and third on July 20th? Oh, um, we had this discussion last week. Coach B, myself, and Laugh. Um, and it, the discussion was, who's the three-hole hitter? Um, my answer was different than their two answers were the same. My answer was a little bit different. Ooh, yeah. intrigue. Yeah, if if you're asking me, keep in mind, everyone out there, I'm not the guy with the magic sharpie that makes out the lineup. But if you're asking me right now on July 20th, I will go Hayden Dunhurst in the three hole. Mm. I will go Chatagnier leading off. Yeah, the, the Chatagnier leading off one was pretty easy. Now I'm just fascinated by who Bianco and uh, Laugh pick for hitting in the three hole. I could come up with some candidates. Uh-huh. But Dunhurst is pretty bold, man. Yeah, I uh, I think he's going to take uh, not that you know you look at the totality of of his offensive numbers this past year and they look good. I just think a year into this thing, um, he's going to be so much more comfortable. His issues were just really sped up, typical freshman issues of um, you know not slowing down as a bat and all that. Uh, I just think as elite of a defender as he is, I think he has a chance to be that as a hitter too. Um, and so I think, I think he's super comfortable. I think he's ready to roll. Um, I think we will be able to give him some breaks um, behind the plate uh, with Harris here. Uh, I think it sets up for him to be really good offensively. At least that's my hope. And there's some other guys too. Uh, you know, Leatherwood I think is, is primed to have 
That was my pick. Time to have a good year. That was my pick. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good one. Um, I think Chadney could hit in the in the three hole. It's not the typical Mafianco three hole hitter, but but he obviously has juice. I think he has the ability to have good at bats, off good arms, all of those things. So uh, it's an interesting it's an interesting offensive group um, to dream on because it's limited at bats for all those guys. I guess if you're looking at a glass half empty, the scary part, if I'm being completely honest, is we're going to look up whenever SEC play starts and be like, all right, Kevin Graham and Tim Elko are basically the only guys who have SEC at bats. Um, and they were platoon players. Um, but the, the glass half full side is like, we played, and right now I think we're all super thankful that we did a really tough schedule in the preseason in 2020 this past year. Um, and a bunch of guys got 50 or 60 or 70, that's how many they had and had a lot of success. And so I think there's a lot to dream on as far as options go. Um, and so that, that, that part's exciting. It's almost the reverse of last year where, man, I don't know what we have, but I know we have two really good players offensively. And this year it's almost, man, I don't know who the superstar is, but man, we got a lot of really good hitters. Um, and so I don't, I don't know which way you'd rather have having two guys that you feel like could be all Americans or having a bunch of guys that, you know, are going to be really good. So, um, but usually, you know, if you're going to have a good offense, those, those all American type players, they're going to emerge out of, out of the guys who on July 20th, you think are pretty good players. He's Mike Clement, Ole Miss hitting coach, I guess, guest co-host of uh, talking champions. <laughs> Thanks man. I appreciate it. You got it, buddy. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.